This is Get Unstuck Radio episode 20, utilizing SEO with Ryan B. Miller. Welcome to Get Unstuck Radio, the place to brainstorm with you on business and life strategy, to get unstuck with system automation and delegation, and also to get clarity for sustainable business and lifestyle. I'm your host, Mukita Panmuk. Let's get unstuck. Hi everyone. So today, please welcome Ryan B. Miller with me. He's the founder of Chopping Signal, where he helps e-commerce business owners utilize SEO and content promotion system so that you can get more traffic and sales. Is that amazing? Thank you for joining us today, Ryan. Yeah, thank you, Matita. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. This is the time that e-commerce people are quite shaking a little bit, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's. I think initially a lot of people were scared. Oh, oh my gosh, should I be should I be doing e-commerce right now with the state of the economy and the state of everyone being stuck at home? But it turns out uh, people are shopping online quite a bit, and so it's actually a pretty good time for a lot of niches to be in e-commerce. Uh, certainly, some some people are less likely to buy certain items, but there are a lot of things right now that are still selling uh, like crazy, and even more so. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, because we couldn't go shopping outside. Therefore, exactly. we have to shopping with our phones. Yep, that's right. <laughs> I'm one of them, of course. Obviously, I'm stuck in this cube, little cube right here. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you based right now? I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana. So, for those who aren't familiar, it's kind of right in the middle of the United States. Uh, we call it the Midwest area. So, just like three hours south of Chicago, it's probably the biggest city close to us. Indianapolis is a sort of medium-sized city in the U.S. Yeah, that's great. It's it looks like sunny over there, which is good. Yeah, we have a beautiful day outside today, and Indiana weather is extremely unpredictable. It's probably the last place you want to be a weatherman. It will take today is sunny, and we and we will take it. Okay, that's great. So let's get into your business then. When we talk about e-commerce, first thing pop up in my mind, Shopify. Of course. Of course, yes. I think that's a lot of people who are just starting to dig into e-commerce. They think of e-commerce as Shopify. It's almost it's almost thought of as one in the same. I often hear people, you know, say I'm I run an e or I run a Shopify business because it is so ubiquitous. Those two terms. The reason that is the case is because Shopify is so easy. Uh, it's very easy to to start up an e-commerce business with Shopify. I like to say no. You're you're not a shop. You don't run a Shopify business. You run a an e-commerce business, and Shopify is the platform that your business runs on. Because there are lots of other e-commerce platforms as well. But Shopify is definitely the big dog right now, and the most well known and the easiest for uh, you know for someone just starting out. It can be a little bit uh, more expensive than some of the other options. But even still, uh, you know, after your 14 or 30 day trial is over, it's It's thirty dollars a month, I think. So it's it's still fairly affordable for uh, you know in terms of starting a business. Yeah, but when we talk about thirty days trial for e-commerce industry, is that make any difference within the first thirty day when you that's started? A, that's a great question. For most people, no. For most people, it's not enough time, and that's I just want to be very honest about that. Uh, you'll hear. Oh yeah, you've got a 14-day free trial. You know, you'll have your first sale within those first 14 days, and it'll pay for itself. And no, it, it's not typically that fast. It doesn't work that way. You know, if you're setting up a real business, it takes time and planning. Even if you do all your planning before you purchase or you know start your free trial, you know you've got a lot of trial and error. You've got to build your website. 
you've got to work out branding and all that stuff. That alone can easily take up 14 days before you know it. Once you launch, you know, you're either, you've got to promote your website, right? You've got to get people to your website one way or another, whether that's through organic content marketing, which is kind of what I focus on, or paid traffic. Either way, it's going to take time. Paid traffic is typically faster. Even with paid traffic, not uncommon to spend two, three, four weeks to try to get profitable. So you're spending a lot of money up front testing different ads and different products and different marketing approaches before something kind of hits. However you slice it, it's not a quick process. Uh, and I wouldn't encourage people to say that, you know, you're going to have your, your e-commerce business up and running and making money before your free trial runs out. It can happen, but it's not, not the norm. Yeah. I just talked to you like offline that I still have PTSD of product-based business because yeah. I used to do this and then like the R&D part, um, research and development part is like nonstop, especially when I did have our own um, product, it's like crazy. So what would you yes. suggest or like recommend to your client as a first time that, hey, I really want to own an e-commerce store but I'm not sure that I'm going to go for my own original product with my ideas, crazy ideas. No one have never invented before, <laughs> or I should do dropship first. I would, I would definitely go for dropshipping and recommend that people go for dropshipping. That statement you made is something that no one's ever thought of before. That's so exciting, right? We all love the idea of inventing something that no one's ever thought of before. But when you start thinking about it, well, that means no one's ever bought it before either. That could be a huge risk because I don't know if people want this, right? And asking your family and friends is typically not a really good you know, product research method. You kind of have to get it out there in the market and see, see if people respond to it. And you know, that's scary and it can be very risky financially. So uh, it's much easier and much less risky to go the drop, ship, the drop shipping route where ideally you're, you're focusing on a certain niche, which maybe you have interest in or you're passionate about or you just know other people are passionate about it. And then you're, you're selling products that hopefully you've done some research on and you see that they're selling elsewhere and you just are putting a different spin on it and typically have a little bit better, better shot out of the gate going that route. Organic would come to be a big role here to get the social proof with your product. Either it's your own product or you um, drop shipping it, right? Yeah, really either way, drop shipping or, um, or creating your own product you know, getting the, the feedback and the, the social proof, as you say, from your, your customers is huge. You know, there are so many e-commerce websites these days. It's hard to know who to trust. Uh, and so one of the biggest ways to build that trust uh, as, a, as an e-commerce owner is to show that social proof, you know, get to, to get those testimonials and, and take snapshots of people using your product, people sharing your product and Instagram, things like that. Sharing all that kind of social proof is huge for, uh, for building that trust. So yeah, absolutely. From your experience, you said you told me that like more than 20 years in this industry, e-commerce industry, what are the big problems that you find for the startup um, e-commerce owner? It really, it, typically it is, people aren't thinking about the customer. They're, they're mm. thinking about themselves. And I don't mean it like they're not thinking selfishly. They're just not, what looks good to me when I'm a consumer out there buying something and looking for something and researching something, what do I respond to? Because, and the reason I say that is because, you know, I'll do a site review constantly. What, what I see is a, a website that just, there hasn't been any real thought put into it. There hasn't mm. been any real effort in terms of a clean look and feel, something simple, something that, you know, is pleasing to the eye, something that's not 
overly complicated and overly packed with content and product descriptions that don't make sense and things like that. It, I think it really comes down to people, people are just trying to get something out there and you know, get a website live and start selling, but they're not really thinking about from a customer's perspective, what do I want to see? And when you start doing research of successful websites, you know, they're not made up of seven different colors in their logo and their fonts. And they're not just copying the product descriptions from the supplier. And it's very clear how long it's going to take to receive my item once I hit buy. You know, there's all these things that people just don't think about. So really across my entire 20 year career as uh, you know, digital experience professional, you know, one thing always stands out and, and the thing that I am probably most passionate about is putting the customer first. So always putting myself in their shoes rather than what do I want? What do I want to do? What tools do I think are cool? What features on the website do I think are neat? None of that matters. All that matters is what does the customer respond to? What's going to make them click and buy? Have you ever found any like customer feeling overwhelmed after you told them that, hey, think in their shoes, not your own shoes? Yeah, sometimes they're like, well, how do I do that? <laughs> and well, it's, well, put yourself in their shoes. Like what, how, like when you go online and you shop for something, what is it? what looks nice to you. And well, a lot of people will be like, well, I don't really have like that visual sense. I'm not a visual person. I'm not artistic. And you don't need to be artistic. I mean, look at Facebook, for example, they don't have a complex color scheme. It's blue. I mean, it's blue and it's just blue and white and black text. I mean, it's simple. The key there is, okay, don't overcomplicate it. If you're not super artistic and creative and visual, that's okay. Just don't overcomplicate it. Keep it clean. Focus on one color for, for your like primary logo and then black and white for everything else and that's extremely acceptable and it works it really does and then just also add in white space don't be afraid of space space is actually a huge design element and one that anybody can use you know don't be afraid of adding space between words and between product photos and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. i mean that's great i mean me personally sometimes over no, not sometimes, often overcomplicated things. And then I have to simplify it later. So double work. And I know that's yes. not good. Yeah, that's a very good point. I have to think about it for my website as well. Thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about your main service that you do. Mm-hmm. You help them utilize the content promotion and SEO to get more traffic. These days, people doing both in the online world of course we know both organically and the paid ad mm-hmm. i'm more focused on the service-based industry that they prefer to um, check the market with organic first and then do paid ad later like push it further mm-hmm. but from your side you said that most of the e-commerce owner they go for paid ads first whether they are good or not in those advertisements but then they forget about the organic part. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm more on your side where I like to focus on the organic first and then add paid to boost that and introduce a new traffic source. Uh, just because I'm a pragmatic person and I'm a risk adver- adverse person, so I like to I like to move slowly. But yeah, this day and age with, again, with the ubiquitousness of Shopify and how easy it is to set up an e-commerce website, the industry has absolutely boomed in the last like two to three years. Thousands and thousands of e-commerce websites are coming online and and many of them are failing too. But typical wisdom and the guru approach uh, is typically set up a Shopify store and start running Facebook ads. Well, no, set up a Shopify store, find your winning product, and then start running Facebook ads to it. That's, and that's what they teach. And that can work 
but a lot of times it doesn't work and a lot of times people are throwing money away into Facebook ads. I'm certainly not saying that you should not be doing paid traffic. I think you should absolutely explore Facebook ads, Google ads, Google shopping ads. Any one of those or all of them can work for an e-commerce business and they do. I just feel like adding content marketing into the mix is just a smart play. Like I said, I like to start there, but you don't certainly don't need to start there. And what we're seeing a lot is that you know, people who have some success with paid traffic, they're starting to look for ways to mitigate their risk, right? Because relying on any one channel for your traffic and sales um, is risky. Just like anything else, if you're running Facebook ads, you know, they're changing their algorithms all the time. And one day you may see a huge drop in your sales because, and you didn't change anything on your end, but because something they did changed. So adding content marketing to the mix is just adding another channel of traffic mitigating that risk and growing your audience with people that would not be buying through your paid traffic. Typically there's about a 30% market that's not on both. So you're leaving those folks out of as potential customers if you're not incorporating organic content marketing into your strategy. So yeah, so that's where I like to focus. What exactly SEO work, how it works? I mean, I have seen the SEO word everywhere. So yeah, so yeah, yeah um, how it works exactly. Yeah, so it's very comp. It can be a very complex topic. I see SEO as a sort of a way to boost your content marketing efforts. It's not the found to me. It's not the foundation of content marketing. To me, the con- the foundation is absolutely great content first. Mm. That beats out everything else. You can have great content perform extremely well and never worry about SEO. And that's just the truth. If you do SEO also with great content, it's going to skyrocket that. So, mm-hmm. but, but to answer your question, SEO, obviously search engine optimization. Uh, there are a few different levels of that or layers to that. If you will, there's technical SEO, which applies to things like the technical aspects that are related to your website. Like how fast does my website run? How fast does it load when somebody gets to my website? That affects your SEO rankings. Google checks that and they they will reduce your ranking juice, if you will, Mm -hmm. if your site runs slower than a competitor's does. That's technical SEO. Also things like the way you link to other websites, the keywords on your content pages, all that stuff can be considered technical SEO. And then there's on-page SEO, which is which is sort of like you're optimizing a piece of content, a web page for a specific keyword term. On-page SEO would involve making sure that keyword term is part of your, your header on your page, like the main title of the page, making sure that keyword is naturally spread out through the content on that page, making sure the images on that page also reference that keyword things like that. That's sort of on-page SEO. And then arguably the most important part of SEO, and this is where, uh, this is part of all content marketing, is promoting that um, that content. So once you you dial in your, your technical SEO and you've got your on-page SEO figured out, you also need to make sure people get to your site. And so one of the, one of the ways to, um, to do promotion for, in terms of SEO, is link building. Links pointing to your website is one of the largest ranking factors for Google. It always has been. That's what made Google popular in the beginning and it's still something I focus on. So the more relevant links you have pointing at your content, the better it's going to rank. So that's so doing that link building would be a, a promotional SEO effort. So that those are kind of the three sort of building blocks of, of SEO. Yeah, I just saw this link building on the YouTube AdWord few days ago, like keep running it repeatedly. I didn't know that mm-hmm. it's a part of SEO. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah, not here um, at all. 
it's a it's a it's a tedious process and, and basically it involved to do it right and to do it you know white hat which is like not cheating the google algorithm and, and the, the rules that google has put in place um it's just a matter of outreach you know it's it's reaching out to your personal and, and professional networks, letting mm -hmm. them know you have a new piece of content and whether you're interested in checking it out or linking to it. Uh, and then also just a lot of folks do sort of a little bit more random outreach, not random in the sense that it's not targeted. You, you would target it to, you know, websites related to yours, but it's people you've maybe never contacted before. So you're just doing a cold email. You send out a hundred cold emails and you might get four links back from that. And that's considered a good day. <laughs> so, you know, okay. that's just... That's yeah, that's just part of the uh, the SEO promotion process. That's quite big. When you hear this, it seems a process, but actually it takes more work like to dig deep inside. So yeah, for sure. Since you focus, the first thing that you prefer to have is the great content. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me in terms of for e-commerce store, what is the great content like product description or the blogs that they like having links within or what is it? Because yeah. there are letters everywhere in the e-commerce store. Yeah, and a lot of people, there's a block there when they think about creating content for an e-commerce website, they just yeah. think, well, what? I just had any better product descriptions and maybe Google will start to rank my product pages. Well, that's, very unlikely to happen unless you sell a product that no one else sells. Amazon ranks for its product pages, but it's Amazon. It's got tons of domain authority, one of the largest websites in the world. For those of us who aren't Amazon, the better approach is to create great content that is related to what you're selling. So if I'm selling, let's say, fishing equipment, I sell fishing poles and fishing lures and fishing reels and fishing boots and stuff like that, you know, maybe it makes sense to create a guide around Uh, what do I need? What's what are the essential equipment uh, that I need for a fly fishing trip, or a bass fishing trip, or a deep sea fishing trip? You know, and create guides around those. They don't necessarily have to include your products at all. They can. It's again thinking about the customer. What would my customer be interested in that is related to what I'm selling? And so, if you if you have a niche website like like fishing supplies, it's, it's easier to come up with those content ideas. I just came up with three really quickly. A lot of people have what's what's called a general store and they don't really have a focused niche. So it can be a little bit more difficult to determine what do I write content about. Well, in that case, you might think, well, let's say I sell 40 different products, but three of them are my top sellers by far. And that's usually the case. You usually have a small number that are doing the majority of your sales. So focus content around those products. Let's say you have a kitchen you Tencel, some sort of kitchen gadget that's really taken off, right? Well, who uses, who cooks in the kitchen? You know, find some audiences that that are that like to cook, you know, and write some content that would appeal to them. Uh, it can be about other useful kitchen tools, or about you know how to properly clean your vegetables and not worry about COVID 19 You know, it can be anything. But it just needs to be related to that product and to the customer who would be interested in that product. Uh, so that's the first step is you know, coming up with those ideas. Once you've got an idea you feel like uh, could could work, you want to validate that with doing some searches for keywords related to that and seeing what else comes up. If you decide on a keyword and let's say you search for it and you're going to have tons of results, but maybe the top three results, they're not popular websites. There's an opportunity right there. So mm. with a little less effort, you can get a, a page ranked higher when your competition is 
uh, you know, other, another small website like you are, I don't mean you personally, but us, those of us starting out yeah. an e-commerce website. So, you know, kind of validate that people are indeed searching for this, but oh, maybe also the competition isn't so tough. That's a good sign. And then why I recommend is, you know, that the content you create needs to be incredibly in depth. You should create something that leaves nothing else to the imagination, right? And there are no more questions once I'm done reading your content. I've answered everything I need to know about a fly fish, what I need to take on a fly fishing trip. So much so that it is better than the other three top ranking websites for that keyword that you're targeting. So I'm talking about really good content. This is not, I'm not talking about cranking out a 500 page article every day. Some people push that sort of notion. I think it's the wrong way to go. I think you can create five to 10 amazing pieces of content per year and have just as much or more success than creating a piece of content every day or every week that's only 500 words and just barely scratches the surface on something. Five to 10 content per yep. year. That's yep. very few. Oh, yeah. that surprised yeah. me. Yeah, wow. it's, it is surprising. It is surprising, but it's also, it ends up being the same amount of work because each of these pieces of content can be, you know, 3,000 to 10,000 words. I mean, they're like mini books, you know, they're, but they're incredibly in depth and they're what people love to, if you're someone who wants to read and learn about something, you want to get all the information. You don't want to have to click around and go somewhere else. And that's exactly what you want. You want them to stay on your website. And then, oh, by the way, it has a few, there are some fringe benefits of having great content on your website. That really great content that goes really in depth is impressive. People are immediately impressed by it and they're going to share it. They're more likely to share that in-depth um, content. And a huge benefit is also it instantly gives you credibility. It says this person knows what they're talking about. I trust them, which is huge for a small e-commerce website. You really need that trust to encourage people to click the buy button and pull out their credit card. Wow. And I believe that that could get referred as well, like as a reference in any contact further, because that's a real research. When you mentioned that for the long in-depth content, I'm just thinking that, hey, you're right. Because like when I'm about to buy a new camera or like anything like that, if this one has an answer of the question, I have to like keep scrolling down and get to the right one. But usually the first one that comes up it's already the longest and like answer everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just exactly. realized that like after you told me now. Yep. And then also if, if you've got a piece of content that people are stopping and reading, Google sees that. It sees time on page. It can tell how long pages are being visited and it will boost your rankings. And you can even, it's not, I'm serious, it is not hard to outrank an Amazon product page if you have one that's got like an amazing piece of content that people are, are reading and sharing because most people aren't reading and sharing Amazon product pages, right? So if you have a, a page related to fly fishing products, it's not unheard of to outrank a, an actual product page from Amazon that has a fly fishing product on it. It's much more beneficial to, to spend the time on a handful to five to 10 great pieces of content because it just has all those fringe benefits. Five to ten per year. That's like, but if you say as a medieval, yeah, I get what you mean. It's, it's going to take time to digest all the information and like gather them together, like, mm-hmm. like writing a report. Okay. Yeah, it takes time. It takes, yeah, you're not going to crank out one of these in a day. Um, you know, you need to do proper research, putting together some visuals or borrowing some visuals from other sources. Yeah, it's it, exactly like a report, uh, but hopefully an entertaining one too. You know, you, it, should, <laughs> it should include your personality. 
sites that have a real person behind them where it's obvious, they do well. They do better than just a generic e-commerce website that you that just feels like a uh, you know a, a brand I've never heard of. If there's a story behind it and a person behind it and some personality behind the words, that typically performs better. Because usually I never know any e-commerce store owner at all. I only know the names because that might be they might think to sell the store at some point, right? Mm -hmm. Like build to sold or something. Mm -hmm. Or what do you think in that approach? Yeah, it's good that you mentioned that as well. Yeah, so that's a tricky thing with e-commerce, especially because it's very easy to copy an e-commerce to copy the products people are selling, right? Because so many people are drop shipping. The vast majority of e-commerce websites are drop shipping from the same suppliers. So if I if if I see somebody on Facebook and they're talking about their e-commerce website, it's very easy for me to find their e-commerce website and then go copy the products that they're selling. So I'm not suggesting that everyone should put their face and their name on their e-commerce website. I'm just suggesting that they should include their personality, and I think if if you can include a person, that's better. That's a lot easier if you're you, if you're creating your own products, though, and you'll typically see that more with people that create their own products. They they're front and center. They actually include their their full name in the business, and I think it's fine either way. But it, there is some risk involved if if you're doing a dropshipping business and you don't have a major brand established. It's very easy for somebody to pick off exactly what you're doing down to the. Facebook ads you're running very easy to to find that stuff and and copy somebody so I you know I would approach it with caution but whether or not your name is involved your personality should absolutely be involved and some story behind why your brand exists should be part of it yeah because as we know that when someone become a celebrity or like being influenced in that industry and start selling their own product. That is totally skyrocket because they bought of that person. Yes. Yep, absolutely. And I think this is also a trend right now that a certain point of those service-based entrepreneur like coaches and consultants, they want to start having their own SaaS company, start mm-hmm. building their own software. So that is a type of e-commerce as well, right? And that's absolutely. their own yep. product. So once they are well known in the industry. Mm-hmm. And they want to upsell their clients to use their software. That's a very right. smart approach. I mean, I also considering totally. that at some point. Yeah, I would love to do that myself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's it's just smart business, right? It's you've got people that trust you and and buy your products, your information products, and if you have a software product that relates to what you do and what they do, then it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's always come back into the circle. Like either you're gonna start with service or start with product, and at the end, you want this reoccurring revenue at certain way. Yes, absolutely. In that sense, that like you help them utilize the traffic. How we track those traffic? Oh, uh, so how do we track like where our visitors are coming from and who's buying and all that stuff? In terms of the revenue-wise, or like mm-hmm. back end yeah. of the website. I mean, yeah, so there, there are a few ways you can go about it. Certainly Google Analytics. I definitely recommend everybody installs Google Analytics and use that for your core tracking of all of your website activity. And one of the neat things you can do with analytics is you can set up conversion conversion goals, which basically says, tells Google Analytics, if someone lands on this page or triggers this tag, then that means they 
made a purchase on my website. And so you can, you can not only do the default stuff, which is tracking who visits your website and how many people and how long they stayed and where they came from. That's all part of analytics and it's just out of the box. But you set up conversion goals to see, well, not only do I know all that, but I know that this person came from Google and then they actually made a purchase. And this is how much that purchase was worth. So you can track all of that in Google Analytics. That would be my recommendation. However, that's a little bit technical. And so for people who don't have as much experience setting that up. Certainly you can Google it and there are tons of great guides out there. And that's how I learned it uh, back in the day. Shopify and WooCommerce, two different e-commerce platforms, they have their own tracking. Mm. So you can see, and certainly from the sales pers perspective, you can see exactly uh, when you got a sale, who bought, how much they bought, how much it was worth, how much it cost you versus how much profit you made. All that stuff's tracked within the platforms as well. So, and that's what, honestly, that's what most new folks do. They're not worrying about Google analytics. I think they should, but typically they're not. They're just focusing on the analytics within the platform and that's okay. Because if they stick to those WooCommerce or like Shopify, it would be their own search engine part, right? Not about Google. Yeah. So it's really not, it's not, it's not factoring in how you got the traffic so, as much. So if you're running Facebook ads, you also have the Facebook, the Facebook analytics. Okay. You can see how are my ads performing and, and how much are they generating in revenue. And you can match that up with what you have in your, your Shopify or WooCommerce dashboard and kind of get a full picture if you're running paid traffic. But if you're running organic traffic, it just makes so much more sense to go ahead and set up Google Analytics. It's, it's really not that hard. And it gives you the full picture and you can track organic and paid all through Google Analytics. And that's just the best, best way in my opinion. Ah, right. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot that this is organic and then we have no need to pay for Google Analytics as well. Yep. Google Analytics yeah. is free, so. Yeah, so that's great. The number is everything to go further, whether mm -hmm. to prove that the content currently is good or not, and is that in-depth enough so you can be referral from other source, right? Yep. I mean, that's amazing. I'm still impressed with five to 10 papers a year. <laughs> yeah, that, that shocks people. And I'm not the only one who talks about that. There are definitely other content marketing pros out there that, that say the same thing because it's true. If you're doing it right, you're putting in a lot of effort. And so you can either put that effort into a smaller number of amazing pieces of content or a bunch of okay content. And it's just my opinion and I, I have proof of it, but it's, it's my opinion that really great content in smaller numbers uh, ends up being a better play, both in terms of the sales and traffic that it generates and the time you have to spend on it. I wanted to ask outside the box a little bit, what about any other industry like coaching and consulting? Well, we, we know that, for example, Gary Vaynerchuk told us to put the content like a lot per day. Yeah. And what exactly the difference between keep put yourself out there and have the qualities content out there? You know, yeah, so there are yeah. a couple of things. One, uh, a lot of what Gary Vee is putting out is on social. And I think we all know the lifespan of a piece of content on social is very short. There's a chart somewhere. It's like between the five major social platforms, you know, and some it's like an hour on some, it may be 15 minutes. Twitter, it might be like, I don't know, just a few minutes, Facebook mm -hmm. and a couple hours. Then it's gone, right? I mean, it's still there, but it's kind of gone. You, you, you don't see it and people aren't typically using mm. those platforms as their major search engine. So the content doesn't live as long. Whereas if it's, if it's a piece of content that you own and it's on your property, on your website, it can live forever in your, your rankings, like in Google, they last much, much longer. You can write a piece of content and not touch it for a year and it will not change rank if it's good. So, I mean, it's just, so that's, that's one thing. And then I love Gary Vaynerchuk. Seriously, like 
I'm a follower, but I don't have a team of people to, to create and, and uh, repurpose all of my content. And if you're doing it on a scale like he's doing it, you really need a team to keep it out there and be so frequent um, and do it so often. Either approach can work, but for, for a one-man show, I like to focus on the organic traffic on owned properties, meaning on your own website. Yeah, I forgot to think about that. Once you post, it's not going to show up if you didn't use, if you not repurpose it to the place that mm -hmm. you're able to search, right? Yeah. You know, one of the best ways to generate business, uh, like let's say for, um, for LinkedIn, is to create content, create content, a lot of it, like regular one piece a day, and you'll have people reaching out to you. It's just that that content doesn't last, but you're also only, I think their post length is like 1200 characters or something. So it's, you know, it's not, it doesn't take a lot of time to create that content. There are different strategies for different goals, but I think for that long-term, building yourself up as an authority in your niche, creating that trust between you and your buyers, I really think that belongs on, on long form content marketing. And I should also mention that it doesn't have to be text. And if you are a terrible writer, you hate writing videos are huge too, and they can be just as effective and you can embed those in your own website. And of course, post them to YouTube, the second largest search engine in the world, also controlled by Google's algorithms. So the same principles apply to both and you can have uh, success doing either one. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's a good point. What about the e-commerce owner? who also have their own personal brand, the content that they would create apart from for their product, but for themselves that they can show up every single day. What would you recommend in that sense that can like convey the same message and then like tied in something? What would you recommend? Yeah, I would recommend that they, again, focus on their core customer, their ideal client avatar, if you will. Aside from any physical products they sell, if they're a coach or consultant, you know, they've got a customer that's, and they're trying to solve a problem for them. So I would write in-depth content or create in-depth videos around that, those problems. Uh, one of the core burning questions that my customers have, and I would write the, those, that very detailed, very long form, amazing content to answer those questions. It's the same approach. It's just a lot of times for a consultant, it may be how to, how to run a marketing campaign, you know, how to how to do CBO ads in Facebook. Whereas for an e-commerce site, it's, you know, how to, what, uh, what equipment do I need for a fly fishing trip? But at the end of the day, it's, it's a burning question from my audience. And it's one that I know I can go really in depth on. I know that it's one that people have a lot of questions around and uh, there's a lot of interest in. And yeah, it's, I guess I wouldn't approach it much differently, honestly. Yeah. Do the market research, people. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> this is great. I mean, I got, to learn a lot from you today. So in case anyone want to work with you, how can they reach out to you then? They can always go to shoppingsignals.com and they can email me personally at ryan at shoppingsignals.com. You can reach out anytime. And uh, I think you'll be sharing in your show notes a special URL that we'll set up for your listeners. And they can go and check out a, a little freebie I've created for you guys. Thank you so much, Ryan, for your time today. Thank you, Matita. It's been awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Get Unstuck Radio. If you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe so you automatically get new show every week. I would love to if you left us the review. If you want to get unstuck, check my 5-step entrepreneur freedom formula for scaling your business without sacrificing your lifestyle at worldwideweb.extraordinarilybymutita.com forward slash freedom. Speak then.